0: And give me 25. I'm the gunny. It's, it's time for the gunny. The, the, yeah. the quarterdeck. Lights, lights, lights. Get online right now. You got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. <laughs> Hello, my bunch of knuckle dragging, beer drinking, hard charging devil dogs. You're listening to The Quarterdeck. I am your host, Miguel. The gunny signs. Get off the bus. I do solemn swear. I do <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode on the quarterdeck. This week, on our episode, we're going to keep reading our book with the first marine division in Iraq of 2003. No greater friend. No worst enemy. Now last week we talked about how the U.S. was working together with the United Kingdom in getting aerial surveillance and reconnaissance. This week we're going to talk about how they brought a red cell in for them to talk to and actually be able to go over the plan of the 1st Marine Division and how they're going to attack the Iraqi forces and what the Iraqi forces might do in return. In our hero highlight this week, we're going to take a look at Private First Class William Robert Caddy, a Private First Class, a young Marine. And we're going to take a look at his heroics and what he did in order for him to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor. We're also going to take a look at a couple of traditions that we have in the artillery community regarding, you know, where did the artillery come from? Where was it created? What is the purpose of it? Why is the artillery community known as the king of battle? We'll take a look at that because in December, we celebrate St. Barbara's Day, the patron saint of artillery. The quarter day. Every year on December 4th, we as a community of artillerymen all around the world celebrate what is known as St. Barbara's Day. That is what we celebrate, and that is because St. Barbara was recognized as the patron saint of field artillery. Now, she is associated with artillery because of her commitment and courage and the qualities of those who have, over the centuries, served with guns. According to legend, Barbara was a beautiful daughter of a wealthy pagan named Diocris. who lived in Nicomedia, age and minor around 300 AD. Recognizing her unsurpassed beauty, Discorius imprisoned Barbara in a tower during all his frequent and prolonged absences, so whenever he was gone. Even the incarceration uh, could not keep this young, beautiful woman from converting to Christianity. When the pagan Dyscorius learned of Barbara's conversion to her in a refusal to denounce her Christianity, he became very, very enraged and dragged her before the local perfect to decree that she be tortured and be beheaded, his own daughter. Discorius carried out the sentence with his own sword. Now that same day, later on, as a brutal heathen made his way home, He was struck down and consumed by a blinding flash of lightning. Only the remnants of the scorched garments and scarred sword remained as a reminder of his evil deed and of God's wrath. Now, because of her faithfulness and her association with the avenging thunderbolt, Barbara became the traditional patron saint of those who would seek protection from thunderstorms, fire, explosions, and sudden death. All the gunners of the 17th century adopted her as their patron saint because of the questionable reliability of their own cannons. Till this day, artillerymen refer to herself as in this sacrifice and dignified service. Therefore, St. Barbara became known as our benefactress to watch over artillerymen throughout the world, and it became a proper tradition to remember St Barbara, in which is truly fitting of professional artillerymen upon gathering of the marines that serve field artillery. A hearty meal with great amenities is always served. The time-honored tradition of laying the artillery punch is performed, and is followed by the ceremonial induction of new Artillerymen into the Order of Saint Barbara. Now, to me, this is a big deal. It's a big deal because, as artillerymen, to us, to be inducted into the Order of Saint Barbara is the highest honor that you can receive as an artilleryman. So, that's very special to us. It means everything. And yes, there have been Marines, artillerymen, that have never been inducted into the Order of St. Barbara. So it is a big deal because of your contribution and everything that you have done for the community as an artilleryman plays a huge role in you being inducted into the Order of St. Barbara. So in order for everybody listening to understand exactly what I'm talking about, let's take a look at the story of where artillery came from. In the beginning there was chaos, and the chaos was the infantry, for the infantry was alone, and fear was with the infantry, and they cried unto the Lord, saying, Lord, save us, for we are afraid. And the Lord heard their grunts and set some of the infantry on beasts of burden, and these he called cavalry, and the cavalry became Armor. And when the Lord had seen what he had done, he laughed, (laughs) saying, Well, you can't win them all. The infantry in the armor again cried out to the Lord, saying, Lord, save us, for we're afraid. And the Lord heard their cries and decided to end their weeping. And the Lord said unto them, Lo and behold, I send you a race of men, noble in heart and spirit. And the Lord created the artillerymen. And the Lord said unto the infantry and the armor, When it gets dark, the artillery shall light your way. And when you need smoke, there shall be smoke. And when you need HE, WP, and HNI, encounter and battery fire all these ye shall have and the lord gave the gunners big guns and field guns and the infantry and armor were jealous for they had not and the infantry cried out saying lord thou hast created the infantry as queen of battles and now thou hast made the artillery king of battles and the well knowest thou that the king does to the queen and the lord replied right on and the Lord gave unto the artillery, rockets and missiles. And best of all, nukes. And when the infantry and the armor saw this, they fell to their knees in wonder, saying, surely God is on the side of the greatest, the artillery. And the Lord saith, you got that right. Now, avith, infantry, armor and artillery. But the greatest of these is artillery. The quarter deck is brought to you by Miguel science photography from the beginning of your family to the first birthday and beyond, whether it's a retirement or a Marine Corps ball, Miguel science photography is there to make memories that will last a lifetime. Miguel science photography is a certified veteran owned business. Contact them at Miguel science What we're going to do right here is go back way back, back into time. After a lot of collaboration with the United Kingdom and the way that the 1st Marine Division was going to plan its surveillance and gathering all that reconnaissance information, everything was starting to come into play. The whole plan was coming into place and they were getting ready to actually move on into a higher level of planning for the division to be able to conduct its missions that they had to once they actually headed into Iraq. In our book with the first Marine division in Iraq of 2003, no greater friend, no worst enemy, things are starting to shape up for the division. This week we're going to look at into the section of the book that's called A Visit by the Red Cell. Now we first started reading this book a couple weeks ago, actually it's been more than a couple of weeks ago. I think we're going on almost two months now that we've been reading the book. But this is the first time that I have also read this whole book in, in its entirety. So there's some of the parts and everything that they're talking about in the book that I really, as a level of a ground combat force on the ground, that we never really received a lot of this information that's been going on up in the higher level of the chain of command. So it's always good for me to actually find out what they were doing and how they gathered all the data and the intel that was trickled down to us. You know, the way that I look at it and the way that any service member looks at it, shit always rolls downhill, whether it's good shit or bad shit. It doesn't matter. It will eventually roll downhill and it will trickle down to the lowest level. So that way everybody is aware of what the plan is and what is actually going on, because that's the most important thing. You want to make sure that you stay informed. So let's go ahead and continue on with our reading for the week in our book with the 1st Marine Division. On 21 January, One MEF provided the division staff the opportunity to sit down with the MCIA-sponsored Red Cell led by Colonel Dave Larson. The Red Cell team combined Iraq experts from across the intelligence community and brought them to Kuwait to review the division's plan and the enemy's perspective. The division forward staff had the opportunity to discuss the capabilities of the enemy with this team and gain significant understanding of the nature of their regime and the capabilities they would likely employ on the battlefield. The red cell's review of the division's scheme of maneuver contained no significant surprises. The red cell noted the likely Iraqi use of humanitarian disaster, tactical inundation, and the urban-centric defense of conventional and parliamentary forces. The picture they painted was of a highly capable and increasingly challenging enemy as the division advanced closer to Baghdad. According to the red cell, this enemy would allegedly use integrated fires, flooding, and chemical weapons to add to the challenges already posed by the difficult terrain. This reinforced the division's expectations for a tough, conventional fight, especially closer to Baghdad. The Red Cell and the division's staff agreed that the asymmetric defense would be the regime's best strategy and their most likely resource. Parliamentary forces, non traditional defenses in the urban areas, a scorched earth, policy beginning with the Ramalaya oil fields, and the use of chemical weapons might each be attempted. The group noted that the isolated attacks could probably not be stopped, but the regime would have a difficult time sustaining a coordinated asthmatic defense. Sustaining such an effort would require a well-trained force and sophisticated orchestration of effort, capabilities that the Iraqis did not have. The division's no better friend, no worst enemy policy would also seek to remove the motivation for resistance once segments of the population came under division control. Iraqi units were infiltrated and controlled by regime overseers and would not likely capulate or surrender before U.S. forces were closing on their positions on the ground. For the Iraqi soldiers, It was only when the balance of fear shifted from that of the SSO would do them what the firepower of the Americans might do to them, that surrender became an option. This same concept of a tipping point with the civilian population was also discussed. The U.S. had not intervened when the Shias rose against Saddam in 1991, and thousands were murdered by the regime. Even though the Iraqi populace was vehemently anti-regime, they were not likely to begin to aid the coalition attack until it was clear that the U.S. committed to absolute regime removal on the ground and had the upper hand. One final topic of discussion was a personality of Saddam Hussein. Saddam had kept himself in power by keeping his options open, then making brash decisions when he felt cornered or thought he saw an opportunity. The early use of chemicals will remove his flexibility. Saddam would likely recognize his ability to mass chemical fires for an extra denial effect, making them most effective as a weapon of terror. On the world stage given to Saddam by the international media, the threatened escalation to use of chemical weapons was probably as effective as the weapons themselves. On the battlefield, these weapons would have limited effectiveness against well-trained United States Marines. The Division G-2's line of reasoning led to the assessment that it was unlikely that Saddam would use chemical weapons in the opening days of the fight. This was the contrary to some other assessments that predicted the use of chemical weapons early and often. Regardless of all the assessments, produce would dictate that the 1st Marine Division be on the guard against the eventually throughout the campaign. Hero Highlight. Private First Class William Robert Caddy, United States Marine Corps. He was only a milkman's helper in civilian life and never became more than a Private First Class in the Marines. But William Robert Caddy, with just 17 months as a Marine, laid down his life in order that his platoon leader and platoon sergeant might live. His heroic bravery and sacrifice earned him not only the undying admiration and respect of all Marines everywhere, but also the highest military award his country could give, the Medal of Honor. He was the 72nd Marine of World War II to receive this great honor. William Robert Caddy was born on 8 August of 1925 in Quincy, Massachusetts, a part of metropolitan Boston. About eight miles south, he attended the school of Quincy and succeeded in making the varsity baseball team in high school before he left school after his second year. His remaining time as a civilian, he spent as a helper on a milkman's truck. He turned most of his $25 a week pay over to his mother. Inducted into the Marine Corps through the Selective Service System on 27 October 1943, Private Caddy was put on inactive duty until 10 November, the Marine Corps' 168th birthday anniversary, when he was called to active duty. At Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Parris Island, South Carolina, the brand new Marine started out on the right foot by firing a score of 305 with a service rifle to qualify as a sharpshooter. He also received instructions in the use of the rising submachine gun Browning Automatic Rifle m1 carbine bayonet and the hand grenade following his 10-day recruit furlough pfc caddy reported into the special weapons company group base artillery battalion at cap lejeune north carolina for instruction in the 20 millimeter anti-aircraft gun upon the successful completion of the course in which his rating was good the brown haired blue-eyed boston tinian was assigned to a rifle company in the new 5th Marine Division, which was then forming. His unit was Company I, 3rd Battalion, 28th Marines. After extensive training in North Carolina, the new division shipped overland to San Diego, where on 22 July, PFC Caddy watched the California coast become a thin gray line on the horizon as his transport, the Middleton, headed into the Pacific battlefields. Further training for the big fight ahead was undergone at Hilo, Hawaii, where the 5th Division encamped for five months. On 5 January 1945, the medium-built, 5 feet, 7 and one-half inches, 139 pounds, riflemen boarded an attack transport, the USS Dark, for an island whose name then unknown to the world was to become a synonym for uncommon valor, Iwo Jima. Standing against the fanatic opposition which has characterized the Japanese since Tarawa, PFC Caddy went through the fighting on Iwo for 12 days. On 3 March, he, his platoon leader, and his acting platoon sergeant were advancing against shattering Japanese machine gun and small arms fire in an isolated sector. Seeking temporary refuge from the murderous fire, the three Marines dropped into a shell hole. Where they were immediately pinned down by a well-concealed enemy sniper. After several unsuccessful attempts to advance further, the 19-year-old Marine and his lieutenant engaged in a furious hand grenade battle with the defending Japanese. When an enemy missile landed in the hole, PFC Caddy immediately covered it with his body and absorbed the deadly fragments. The Medal of Honor was presented to his mother, as ceremonies in the Montclair School Lawn, which the Marine had formerly attended, on 8 September 1946 by Rear Admiral Morton L. Dayo, Commandant of the 1st Naval District. Among those present were the Lieutenant Governor of Massachusetts, the Mayor of Quincy, and the United States Congressman from the District. Private First Class Caddy was initially buried in the 5th Marine Division Cemetery on Iwo Jima, and was later re-entered into the U S national cemetery at Honolulu, Hawaii in 1948, the quarter deck, private first-class William Robert Caddy, another great Marine that did outstanding things throughout his career in the Marine Corps. Now, even though he only spent a short amount of time that he spent in the Marine Corps, 17 months as a United States Marine. He laid down his life in order to save other Marines to his left and to his right. That just goes back to show the things that Marines are capable of doing to take care of those individuals next to them. No matter where they came from, what color, what race, anything. It does not matter. It's your brother, your sister laying there, and you will always take care of them. And he is another great Marine that put that saying to the test and obviously gave his life in order for others to make sure that they were able to come back home. With our book with the first Marine division in Iraq of 2003, we're starting to move along a little bit more now with that red cell that came in to actually discuss the planning of how they're going to move into Iraq all the way to go to Baghdad and how the units from Iraq are possibly going to increase as far as being more difficult to get through the closer that the division is getting into Baghdad. Now next week we talked about that we're going to move into talking about how they started working a little bit more with the United Kingdom to make sure that all these plans actually happen and they happen in the way that the division is planning for all these to occur. And lastly, just a short little trip for all of you that really have no idea or understanding what St. Barbara is about in the artillery community. I hope that you were able to understand our little story. Now, in all fun and games, the artillery community makes fun of every other MOS or job occupation in the Marine Corps. And by no means, there are my feelings that I hate or I think that the infantry the armor the tanks are beneath the artillery but we are the king (laughs) that's the way that i see it we are the king of battle no harsh feelings to all my infantrymen that are out there i'm sorry that you're the queen but the king is the ruler of all worlds and never forget though the artillery will be there to support any unit that is out there no matter what to make sure that we accomplish the mission and we all come back home so until next week this is miguel the gunny signs sounding Liberty Call. Get out the blast! I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend sure. the Constitution of the United States. Against numbers, all enemies, foreign and domestic.